You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority of their families. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Todd Lesher. I'm your host, and it's a privilege to be with you all. Today, I'm joined by Lindsay Knuckles, and we're going to talk all about the craziness that is middle school. And we're going to share a little bit of our experience working in student ministry over the past 10 years. Lindsay, you've been on the podcast before, but... Let's just give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit. So, how about our favorite game? A quick round of faves. I love faves. You up for that? I'm in. Yes. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Listeners, are you ready? Yes. Good. <laughs> oh, thank you for representing yeah, the welcome. listeners. I don't it was lie. awesome. I felt like I had to do that. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna go through these the way faves works. Okay. It's a um, l- lot of points to be earned here. Okay. Uh, not much to be lost, and a reputation right to be gained. Oh, no oh. way. Your answer is right. Here we go. Number one, favorite travel destination? Um, New York City. Nice. Favorite midnight snack? I love popcorn so much. (laughs) Ah, midnight snack. Yeah, I love popcorn. Popcorn gets stuck in your teeth. Now you got to flush your teeth. That's Then brush. Do you have to do that? Uh, Not at midnight. You're going right back to bed with kernels. Yeah. I'm not a midnight snacker. Ah, When I think snack, I think popcorn. Okay. Or gummy bears. Sorry, no no judgment here. All right, favorite Christian band from middle school? This one was tough. This is tough to think about because I love, I have a lot of them, but I would say Stephen Curtis Chapman. (laughs) I've seen him in concert like Not a band, a person. But I guess. He had musicians with him. Stephen Curtis band. (laughs) All right, fine. (laughs) Jeff Moore in the Distance, are you familiar with him? He had a song, Home Run, which was my favorite song. That was like my anthem. He had another one out there. I can't remember what it was. Uh, My favorite middle school band, Five Iron Frenzy. Okay. Yeah. That's like hard rock, right? Uh, ska. <laughs> <laughs> so they could lean into the hard rock, but yeah. it was a lot of what is horns. Ska? <laughs> yeah, it's like a dance. <laughs> that what was, was that one band. I think for uh, a middle schooler like me who was just trying to fit in, it like mm. gave me some sort of belonging. Oh, Anyways, favorite student ministry m- memory. Um, Probably one that involves you. Okay. Uh, we were at an all-nighter yeah. event, which means we stayed out Blast all night doing yep. uh, different activities. Yep. I don't know how many years ago this was, five, like hundreds of kids all hundreds over the Hundreds of kids yep. everywhere, middle school and high school. Uh, yes. Yeah. So um, we were playing bubble soccer, and my man over here enters the game. This is me, the man over here. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Todd's right here. And it's like bubble soccer is this, how would you describe it? This like giant You're in big bubble, bubble wrap. Yeah. And Todd enters the game, puts this little thing on. He's not looking. He's looking the other direction. And one of our students, Jack Baker, where are you at? Yeah. He levels Todd to the ground. Blindsided. Blindsided. Off my feet, airborne. To the ground. What did that feel like? I don't know if I ever asked you that. Well, I can remember moving around. Like, I'm trying to get, this is my first time in a bubble soccer (laughs) ball. And so I'm, like, trying to get familiar with how it feels and how it fits and tightening the straps and everything like that. So I'm, like, moving around and then just wham. Out of nowhere. So feeling, you know, immediate impact and yeah. all of that. I do remember landing on my head as if I hadn't tightened the straps enough that my head oh, popped out the other side. And so I do kind of vaguely remember that. Oh. But then I scored 100 goals. So yeah. You didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a video of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's still on my phone. Maybe we can put it out there. We somehow, should put it out way. there. Yeah. Check out at Lynn's Cresha yeah, on that's Instagram, my Instagram and you'll find the video. Yep. All right. Last one. Favorite book you've read by Dr. Lisa Damore? Uh, Under Pressure. 
Whoa, you were ready for that one. I was ready How for that I, one. That's that's mine. What? This is super crazy. Oh, I know. Weird. So, well, that one was planned, everybody. But uh, Lindsay and I recently read this book. It's called Under Pressure: Confronting the Epidemic of Stress and Anxiety in Girls. And we both said after we read it, we have to tell parents about this, but we have to expand it a little to include boys. I mean, we literally said that at the same time. We did. You know, we looked at each other yeah, and we like, oh, yeah. we said it. So, um, Lindsay, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about this book, and then we'll mm-hmm. try to unpack it and apply it to now for parents to help prepare their rising sixth graders mm-hmm. or their seventh graders or eighth graders in the midst of middle school madness. So how would you describe the book and why did you connect with it so quickly? Yeah. So this book, uh, I would describe it as a practical research book. Mm -hmm. So this book, she's writing all about the epidemic of stress and anxiety in teenage girls. And what I love so much about it was that she wrote from the perspective of an expert. She's like a psychologist, she's a PhD, um, but also she's a parent and a friend of teenagers. Um, So there was this, you know, she's an expert on this topic, but also it was super practical and a lot of really cool application. Um, and it was one of the most holistic views of stress in teenage yeah. girls yeah, I ever yeah, read yeah. because yeah. each chapter um, goes through um, a different area of a girl's life. So girls at school, girls among girls, girls mm-hmm. with boys. Um, so it really felt like a tool I could yeah. use. Um, and I think the reason I connected with it so much because it's really daunting. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about stress and anxiety and the um, just the stress and anxiety that girls face is very real. Um, and I think for me, I know a lot of girls that deal with this and yeah. that face stress and anxiety in and, and very real ways. Uh, but I think this book left me hopeful. Yeah, yeah, I agree mm-hmm. with that. And for me, uh, one of the reasons that I was drawn to this mm-hmm. book is, I mean, I have a heart for family ministry, for student yeah. ministry, children's ministry, but I'm a dad of boys. Yeah. And so, yes, I, I think one of my roles in their lives is to raise boys into adult men mm-hmm. who know how to respect and treat women with honor. Yeah. So I was like, hey, hopefully this gives me an insight as a dad. And I would encourage parents out there who only have boys to read this book as well. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, the chapter on girls and boys, yeah. and that's a yeah, heartbreaker, is yeah. hard to read. But to your point, it it gave me kind of a guiding direction mm-hmm. to go, okay, be mindful of these things. Yeah. Uh, in in the realm of a girl's relationship with boys and boys' relationship with girls. So as you and I continue to process the book, uh, we were trying to figure out the best way to approach the topic and present this info. We, we kind of knew it was timely and right hot off the press. This is from 2019. Yep. And so where we landed was preparing for middle school. Right. And so when it comes to the idea of preparing for middle school, wanted to use this book as our launching pad, but then Mm -hmm. kind of tie in our ministry experience, some of the the relationships that we've had with students and parents throughout the years, Mm -hmm. and then give a Mm gospel-centered approach to some of these things when it comes to preparing students for middle school or for the next year of middle school Mm -hmm. or whatever that may be. So first off, let's just start with the topics of stress and anxiety that Mm -hmm. Dr. Damore brings up in this book. And so for the listeners out there, Lindsay and I are not professionals. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been in ministry a long time. We love kids and students a whole, whole lot. We believe in families. Um, So we'll do our best to explain how we understand stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. in adolescence, but we're going to lean in heavily on some of the content in this Mm -hmm. book. So why don't you uh, give us an overview? Yeah, so 
this is just a general overview of stress and anxiety that she talks about in the book. And I actually don't think I knew this information. Yeah, this is really good. Yeah, this is really good. So she talks about the difference between healthy stress and unhealthy stress and healthy anxiety and unhealthy anxiety. And I think I always just assumed that all stress was bad yep. and all anxiety was bad. Um, but she describes stress as emotional and mental strain. And mm -hmm. so attention you feel. Um, and stress can be healthy when you take risks yep. and you take on new challenges. You step out of a comfort zone. Um, and these moments are really good because they build resiliency, they build character, they build courage, and um, it allows you to see that you're capable of more than you thought you yep. were. And so that's healthy stress. Um, and stress becomes unhealthy when it exceeds what a person can absorb or benefit from. Mm -hmm. um, and what's neat is and really cool is that you it differs from person to person yep. and day to day. So yep. what's stressful for you may not be for me. What's stressful for me may not be for you. Mm -hmm. So that but she also She also ties mm -hmm. in stress, and I may be jumping ahead to anxiety, but stress is an important part of development yes. and maturity. Yes. And so it's as if we are jumping over the ability to jump over higher hurdles mm -hmm. as we go. But each hurdle before stress hurdle yep. uh, gives you the strength to face the next one, yep. to get the next one. So it's part of development. It's part mm -hmm. of maturity mm -hmm. for adulthood. Yep. And so it is an important factor not to be avoided, yep. but to be faced. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We're more capable now than we were yep. when we were younger. Yes. It's because we have faced these things. And I think right. as parents and, you know, even when we see teenagers that we love, we want to we want them to avoid these stressful situations, yep. but it actually builds them into yep. capable human beings. Um, and then anxiety. So she describes anxiety as a feeling of dread, fear, or panic. And she interconnects stress and anxiety because stress can lead to anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, but healthy anxiety, this is really cool, is uh, we as human beings are hardwired to pay attention to dangerous situations or situations mm -hmm. that make us uncomfortable and alerts us. So when you're crossing the street and you look both ways or when you're in a dangerous situation, maybe you feel like somebody is following you and that's your healthy yep, anxiety. Yep. Um, but unhealthy anxiety, I love this. This is a direct quote from her is when the alarm rings off too much of the time. Mm -hmm. And so when you're alarmed that you're in danger, yep. it, it's ringing constantly. That's unhealthy yeah. anxiety. As if everything causes everything anxiety. Everything is yep. a worry. Everything mm -hmm. is a fear. So that's when it's unhealthy. Yep, so. that's good. So uh, it's hard for me to go back to middle school mm -hmm. in my mind. And I... I can't really remember much. I, you and I have talked about it throughout the years, and we'll say, when did you peak in life? You know, And I'm like, <laughs> eighth grade. <laughs> eighth grade. I peaked in eighth grade. Uh, and it, was, it mainly revolves around I had a, a, a good basketball career in eighth grade. <laughs> that's about Me it. Me too. Like, I was like the MVP of my softball team. <laughs> so I peaked sad, athletically. But, it is sad. Uh, but the truth is, for some reason, middle school is really stressful. Yeah. And it causes a lot of anxiety mm -hmm. in people. And so giving that overview of the healthy view mm -hmm. of stress and anxiety and then the unhealthy view, hopefully we can help parents and their kids face some of these stressors and things that provoke anxiety in them. But if they become too great, then mm -hmm. we always encourage care and counseling at Forest yes. Hill yep. is where you need to go. And they are available to help you navigate some mm -hmm. of those the, the bell ringing constantly yes. yep. in your life or in the life of your child. So mm -hmm. let's, let's get into wading into a couple of those topics, both in the book and then just from our personal experience, of how parents can prepare their kids and walk through middle school with their kids through the stress and anxiety that they'll face. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd love to talk through just a couple of things that was impactful for me. Um, the first one is sleep. Yep. 
sleep, sleep. She talked a lot about sleep and the connection that sleep has with anxiety. Um, This is a quote from her. It says, few of our daughters get enough sleep. And this is likely one of the simplest yet most powerful explanations of girls' high level of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, it it reminded me of um, a story from this past summer. We were at our summer camp for um, elementary um, students. It's called Camp Rock. And there was a counselor who just was not feeling well. A teenage counselor. Yes, she was a teenager. And we had to, we took her to the ER one night, um, sat with her, Dr. Soller. Um, Then the next day she's like in bed and she just is weak. Her body's weak. Um, it's breaking down. And I remember we were in the room. It was me and um, the nurse that we had for the week. She yep. was an EMT. Is that what they're called, EMTs? And we were talking in there in the room. And the EMT goes, um, how much sleep are you getting? And I remember thinking, that question is not even relevant to what we're talking mm-hmm. about right now. Um, <clears throat> because she's talking about headaches and her, you know, her body. And the EMT is like, how much sleep are you getting? And it kind of comes out that this girl is is not sleeping, that her mind is really active. She cannot fall asleep at night, and she's just not sleeping. And I remember the EMT was like, you have to sleep. You have to sleep. Your body is not able to do the things that you're requiring it to do because you're not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, that I remember listening to that. I'm like, that is crazy. And yeah. so um, anyway, we can't talk about anxiety without talking about sleep. And I love this. This is crazy. Um, but she talks about in the book that if we don't talk about sleep when we talk about anxiety, it's no different than if a person wearing three parkas or three coats indoors were to complain about being hot and we try to solve the problem by offering them a glass of cold water. Right, yeah. And so somebody telling them that they're bone tired and giving them breathing techniques is like not the answer. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. how much sleep are you getting? So, and I think a, just a thought to that to help with sleep um, is, you know, our phones and, you know, the phones that we have, um, looking at, like looking at them at night. Um, I think the backlight doesn't that suppress melatonin. Mm-hmm. And then the content you look at, girls look yep. at the content on social media and it gets their mind racing. Yep. And so I think I would encourage parents and encourage teenagers to charge their phones in the other room. Yeah. That is well, a because you solution. have this thing going on with puberty. <laughs> yes. Is it's like this heightened awakeness is they want to stay awake later. And so some of those things, eliminating some of the things like TV in their room, yes. a computer in their room, yep. their phone in their room, it, it helps aid to getting to sleep yes. and getting enough hours of sleep mm-hmm. so that they're well rested, mm-hmm. so their body can you know recover and prepare for the next day. Yep, yep. Um, the second thing that um, you know drew my attention from the book was the social expectations. Mm-hmm. And so students, teenagers, girls, they are around the clock connected. Um, to their friends, their peers, to boys, um, and it contributes to around-the-clock stress. And I think parents or adults, we misunderstand this because we don't understand the phone and we don't understand technology. Um, And it's their world. It's, it's It's their social world. And so I think it's important for us to understand that technology has changed, but the desire for connection is the same. Mm -hmm. So for us to empathize. Um, Do you remember AIM? Instant Messenger. Yeah. I was on that thing all the time. AOL Instant Messenger. Wasn't that what it was called? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. AIM. Yep. Thank you. We were on that thing all the time and you like crafted your own like uh, away message. And then I was on that thing for hours and hours. And so... It's the same. The desire mm-hmm. for connection, just the way that they do Can it. Can I share is a different. funny story about America Online? <laughs> yep. So, one, I asked a girl to prom mm-hmm. on Instant Messenger. Yeah, you did. Was one story, and then when I was learning the abbreviations for Instant Messenger and texting, 
I thought LOL stood for lots of love. <laughs> so I was like, that girl got some lots of love for me right now, oh, laughing at But she was heart. actually just laughing at whatever I said. When did you but I took it as lots it? of love. <laughs> I don't know. Embarrassingly late, you know, yeah. probably when I was, like I don't the, know, the out, out of college. Yeah. Woof. <laughs> Anyways, back to <laughs> Sorry. When we talk about technology, it makes me think of a story recently. Um, I lead a senior girl life group, and we recently went to the beach uh, for a beach retreat. And one of the girls in my life group was really intentional that she didn't want to have her phone out. And she's like, hey, I'm putting my phone away. I don't want to be involved with it. I don't want to be on it. I want to be engaged. Um, But she kept bringing up Snapchat. um, And she said, I want to end my Snapchat streaks this weekend. And so, I, you know, we had a conversation about it and kind of um, talked with her deeper about it. And, you know, they have a Snapchat streak is every single day when you snap somebody, yeah. um, you get a streak. And that that's the, you know, the commitment to Snapchat is like, how many days can you get a streak? Yeah. And so she's like, I want to break this streak. And so at the end of the weekend, she gets her phone back out and she's like, oh, no, like the streaks didn't break. Like mm-hmm. I didn't send a snap, so they didn't break. And she's like, I wanted them to end. Yeah. And I remember telling her, I'm like, you can't end them on your own. You don't yep. have to participate. But she's like, well, I'm going to have to have conversations with my friends. I'm mm-hmm. going to have to talk to them about it. It's going to be a big deal. And so I think that's the, you know, that's the pull of, that's the stress of technology. Yep. And that's the stress that they feel to be able to keep up with it. Right. And, you know, Snapchat will tether you to it because well, it's keeping p- up with the streaks. It's part of the the social pressure that's yes. not just in technology, right. but in relationships. Right. And parents can fall prey to this, as we read in this book, that <clears throat> parents feel like their kids to for their kids to be happy they have to have a lot of friends. Right. So she gets in and she uh, says this. Yep. Uh, saying, "Well, I know this is what many parents want: having a lot of friends for their daughters. Experience has taught me, and research confirms that the happiest girls are those who have one or two solid yeah. friendships, which is kind of mind blowing. Yeah. You know, and you're yeah. kind of like." What more friends does it make us happier? Yeah. She says when you get into the realm of five or more friends, it starts getting more dramatic, yes. which therefore creates more, more stress. stress. So she goes on to saying, having a couple of reliable buddies mm-hmm. reduces stress by lending predictability to girls' social lives. Yeah, that's really the good. part about social media, yes. tying it back in there, is social media is unpredictable mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And someone promises that they're going to post the picture of the two of you, yep. and they don't. Or someone takes the picture of you two down. It's yes. like, why did you do that? So you have yep. both the physical relationships, and then you have this digital mm-hmm. relationship, and they both can cause mm-hmm. undue stress. Yeah. And I think there are really simple ways to help ease the yeah. stress mm-hmm. um, of social media. One, there's a really great feature called Do Not Disturb. Yes. So put that on. Moon mode. <laughs> Moon mode, Yes. <laughs> Put that on and uh, while your teenager's doing homework. And also I think it's important that this is a really good area where parents can partner with their teenager yep. and participate in your own rules. And so dinner time, don't have your phones out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we ask our teenagers to um, you know, eliminate or to minimize their screen time, but we aren't willing to do the same. Yep. Um, and so at dinner, put away your phones, no phone zone, or mm-hmm. put on do not disturb. So be intentional, I think, for parents to be like intentional that, with the that. no phone zone. Yeah, it's we good. do that in life groups sometimes. It's good. So. Um, the next one is about the relationships with girls and boys, okay. um, which was a really hard chapter. Yeah. Um, and she talks a lot about um, sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And so the comments that boys make to girls about yeah. their bodies, um, inappropriate comments, and how harassment is a sexualized form of bullying, yeah. um, which is a hard topic to talk about. But, um, you know, girls face that. And I think yeah. it's a very, very common thing that girls deal with. And so one of the things that I think is important 
um, that I took away from this is that we have to um, treat the claims of sexual harassment. It's, it's not harmless. Yeah. It matters and it makes a difference and it really will affect a girl's identity. Mm-hmm. And so for us not to minimize it or to dismiss it um, or to laugh it off um, or to talk about what girls were wearing when they, you know, comments were made yeah. about them, um, it's not harmless. Um, and so I think it's important for us to not wait for girls to bring it up um, because it's shameful mm-hmm. um, and it, you know, they'll, they won't bring it up. And so for Tim, to, for us to ask girls, um, how are boys acting? Yeah. What are boys saying around you? Um, are boys respecting you and your space? Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's a, it'll, it's alarming how often it happens. Yeah. Um, even just the subtle comments. Right. I mean, some boys will be more blatant, but, and not all boys are, you know, but, um, and I she, think she a, makes a comment that harassment says more about the harasser yes. than it does the victim. Yes. But we often flip that. Mm-hmm. Our culture will flip it and we'll always put it on the one who is being yep. harassed. Like, yep. what did you do right. to incite yeah. that? That's yeah. wrong. That's wrong. And so yep. it's rarely, if ever, about the victim. Mm-hmm. And it's always about the harasser. Yes. Yeah. And girls, like, just, I think she kept saying over and over again, is that girls won't always, they won't bring it up. Yeah. Um, they won't come home and tell you about it. And so starting a conversation about it um, or starting, hey, I'd love to hear about it if you've never yeah. experienced it. Well, there's a it. lot of shame. There's a sh- right? there's shame. And so for us to be able to stop the shame cycle yep. is a really important. So, yeah. yeah. How, how do we stop that? How do parents speak into the the cycle of shame? Yeah. I think it goes to the next point that I loved, but um, being able to... Uh, help girls see that who they are is beyond their appearance. Um, and that maybe a boy's perverted comments does not have an accurate portrayal of who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she makes a point too of complimenting beyond your beautiful, um, which I think is a really positive thing to say, but, um, you know, the cultural norms of beauty are absurd Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's clear, um, even for women, uh, my age and adults that we can see that culture will glorify some, um, bodies more than they will others. And so for us to compliment a girl on something or, um, you know, for a boy to make a comment, it's a just disconnect between right. what culture is saying, um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so for us to express the same response to their appearance as we would to the rest of who they are. Yes. Um, and for us to acknowledge parts about their bodies that um, is really strong, and for us to highlight strength, not size, I mm. think is really important. Because their bodies right. can do really miraculous things, all human beings, not just girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us to kind of step out of that shallowness. Um, so, yeah. So a lot of what you said there in the last two points, yeah, it just it it challenges me as a yeah. dad with young boys, yeah. and raising them. And one of the things that I think of as a dad in 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 an attempt to uh, raise boys who respect and honor mm-hmm. women is that I try to repeat this on a regular basis: we never ridicule a woman, yeah, we never talk negatively about a woman. Oh, and we never uh, put our hands on a woman violently, yeah. you know, or selfishly in right. those kind of terms yeah. that they can understand. Yeah. But over and over again, it's hopefully to reinforce that there is an appropriate, and I would yeah. say the only way yeah. to talk to yeah. the opposite sex for yeah. for yeah. men. So yeah. just in kind of a transition to the preparing your boys for middle mm-hmm. school, yep. uh, a couple things uh, come to mind. But I think middle school boys, just in my experience, are asking questions throughout middle school, mm-hmm. questions like, do I belong? Mm-hmm. Where do I belong? Do I matter? Yeah. Who do I matter to? 
And what does it mean to be a man? Mm-hmm. I mean, and then kind of to your point about what culture says, yep. culture has this image, mm-hmm. and oftentimes it's in how they treat women, yep. that manhood is defined, and that's not true. Right. You know, right. Manhood is defined differently. And I would say the true definition of maturity and manhood, speaking to boys specifically, is in uh, selfless service to mm-hmm. others and how they yeah. lay down their lives, yeah. how they uh, show compassion and kindness that's to cool. other people, just attributes that we go, oh, that's not rough and tough, you mm-hmm. know? Well, because that's a false uh, mm-hmm. depiction of manhood mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. But there are a couple ways to, uh, I think, be thinking through preparing your son for middle school. And it just it centers around three words, boundaries, expectations, and values. Mm-hmm. And so for the first one, for boundaries, it does have to do with technology. Yes. Because what boys do with technology often leads down a dark road. Technology produces wonderful things. This yep. is not to discourage the use of technology, but how we use mm-hmm. technology. And I even go back to, and I've talked about this on the podcast in the past, but uh, my first introduction to the internet was around 15, 16 years old. And I quickly went down dark roads mm-hmm. and it was just it, pretty easy. And the computer in my home was in the basement, mm-hmm. you know, which was out of the sight of anybody who cared about me. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so it was only just kind of where my interests led, you know, and they didn't often lead to positive places. Yeah. And so when you put technology into the hands of young boys, into teenagers, yep. I mean, how their brain is wired and how the neurotransmitters and the mm-hmm. chemicals that are released, they reward them. They're pleasure seekers. And so where do they often go? It's mm-hmm. to pornography, mm-hmm. you know, and, and some of the research in this book, but just the thing, different things that we heard is that pornography is targeted as, at kids. Yes. And some of the first exposures around seven years old. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, by the time teenagers are 17 years old, that a majority of them have seen pornography. And so we're dealing with stats like that. Yeah. And so just to put technology into the hands of a teenage boy specifically is like giving them the keys of the car with actually yeah. without actually ever teaching them how to drive, going out on the road with mm-hmm. them and just saying, hey, hope you return safely. So mm. technology, you're giving them that's access good. to the world. Yeah, that's good. And so I think as parents, because they're going to go to school and their friends are going to have phones and they're going to say, hey, check this out. And so it's the boundaries of how are you going to use this technology and mm-hmm. then how are you going to use it around friends? Yeah. And what are you going to be aware of? So we've talked about this before, but the idea, the principle of first exposure, parents, you want to be seen as the expert on these topics. Yeah. And that conversation has to start early. Yeah. Because when it starts late or in reaction to, they're already starting to form yeah. views of it and how it should be treated. So yeah, set boundaries specifically for technology yeah. and how it's used, where it's used, kind of like what you were saying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, phones, computers, uh, out of the bedroom. Yep. You know, That's good. Uh, put it mm-hmm. in the kitchen at the kitchen table yep. and then take it to your bedroom, you know, when it's time to go to bed. And this is for middle schoolers. When they start getting into high school, they need to start learning Mm -hmm. that self-regulation, self-control, and they need to be able to demonstrate that, hey, I can handle this. Mm -hmm. I know the boundaries, but you have to set them in place Mm -hmm. uh, for middle schoolers. Yeah, that's good. The second is expectations. And for me, when I I think of middle schoolers, Mm -hmm. uh, for some reason, profanity comes to mind, you know? And it it, it starts off in later elementary school Mm -hmm. where they just start 
testing out these yep, words that words, they may yep. hear in the music or the movies they watch or the words that they hear at home. And then they just start spouting them off. They're yeah. like uh, you know, a sprinkler for the yard. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> what's going on? With like no understanding of the word. <laughs> exactly. But there's there's the funny side of it. But yeah. the, the serious side of it is this is an attempt at maturity. Yeah. There... Yeah, they're trying to assert their independence, and they go, I'm going to make a name for myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to form my own identity. And so this is just, they have a mouth, and they're the ones who are yeah. in control of it. But it just gets out of control into every response, or they walk through the hallways at school, and they're just saying what they ought not to say. Yep. And our, you know, our <laughs> biblical basis for this is Ephesians 4.29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Mm-hmm. So it's the reminder to middle school boys that, hey, you can speak better yep. than that. There's yes, a better there's way a better to word. say that. Yep. And maturity, again, comes back to how you view yourself and how you treat others yeah, in that way. And then the words that you use. Are mm-hmm. your words building people up or tearing them down? Yeah, it's good. And just because everybody else is saying it doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you need to say it. So here's here's just a reality. Because, you know, <laughs> a lot of middle schoolers use profanity. It's mm-hmm. just reality. They're going to slip up. So show them some grace yeah, that's good. when they make a mistake. It's not the end of the world. But set yeah. some expectations, vocabulary expectations. Be like, hey, these are the words that we use around this house. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to trust you. Mm-hmm. to be the same person at school that you are at home, setting those expectations, having that conversation, but knowing that, hey, you're going to hear mm-hmm. something, probably not for the first time, but mm-hmm. if it is for the first time, come on home and let's mm-hmm. talk about that word and whether or not it fits into appropriate yeah, that's good. Uh, dialogue yeah, and that's vocabulary. Good. But at the end of the day, the maturity um, can be tied into these expectations. We expect you to live this way. Mm-hmm. You're in our family. I always say, hey, you're a lesher. So mm-hmm. leshers yep. live this way. We're not going to be perfect, but this is the expectations that yeah. we're living. And I think towards. students like expectations. Mm-hmm. I think they rise to it. I think yep. it allows them to to live in a way that's free. Yep. You know, so yeah. it's good. And then the last one is values, mm-hmm. and I'll land on friendships and relationships with girls. Yep. Is I think every family needs to have, however cliche it may sound, family values. Yep. Is what you deem as the most important thing for your family. Mm-hmm. So for our family, we say things like, we're a serving family, we're a sharing family, and we love Jesus. Like, Mm -hmm. we say these over and over and over again because we hope to raise selfless boys Mm -hmm. or less selfish boys. (laughs) 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 Uh, And so in both those ways, so when mom's bringing in the groceries, and they're like, uh, do we have to? What kind of family are we? A serving family. Okay, get out there and help your mom bring in the grocery store. Yep. And so same thing when it comes to values in how you treat people. Mm-hmm. And those are going to come out in how they treat, especially and specifically, the opposite sex. And, and so when I, I, I think about this for uh, the middle school boys, you kind of talk about romantic relationships. Yep. Yep. So who is that other person? That other person is a daughter of God, a created individual yep. who has value in the eyes of God, creating the image of God. So that's starting point. Mm-hmm. That person is someone's daughter. Mm-hmm. That person may be someone's future wife. Mm-hmm. That person may be someone's future mom. Like these things, you're trying to keep these perspectives in mind. This is not just an immediate uh, 
spot, place for you to satisfy your desires, mm-hmm. right? It's not. This is not a consumerable, yeah. if that makes sense yeah. in that way. So start having the romantic relationship conversation, because here's what parents have always said mm-hmm. in, our, in our career in student ministry, mm-hmm. is they're like, all right, what are you thinking about dating? Uh, never. Uh, it's not helpful. That's not helpful. That's not helpful. <laughs> or yep. when they're yep. 25, or when they're 40. It's like, that's, that's not helpful. Yeah, that's not start funny. having the yeah. conversation now, because they're going to walk into school, and someone's going to say... Lindsay loves such and such. You know, you know they're yeah, going to yeah. sing these songs or they're going to tease yep. one another. And they just start this culture of, oh, my value is in a romantic relationship. So, mm-hmm. And then you have to talk through, like, what does dating look like? And what does interactions and sexuality look like uh, mm-hmm. between um, the sexes in yeah. that way? And so you, you can get into standards and boundaries, but it all comes back to the value of people. How do mm-hmm. you view and how do you value people? Yeah, and that good. will affect how you treat them yeah, in that good. way. Yeah. And then I always, it, it, I've said this over and over in this uh, podcast already, but it is about respect and honor. Yep. A woman is not a second-class citizen. They deserve as much respect and honor as a man. Mm-hmm. A man is not better than a woman mm-hmm. in, in God's eyes you yeah. know, and in the work of Jesus. Jesus treated men and women yeah. as equal um, yeah. and, and worthy of, and I would say, you know, I want my boys to show more honor to yeah. to women, yeah. uh, just That's as good. they as they grow up. And uh, but this is one of those hard ones. And when you get into the harassment culture mm-hmm. and the sexualized culture, it all ties back to pornography. Yeah. If kids are viewing pornography, it will dictate how they yeah. treat. Yeah. Especially the, yeah. the female. And sex. I think in the other side of it too, is like the narrative isn't that all boys are terrible. Yep. We hate men. Yep. Um, because you can swing in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, all men are going to treat us unfairly. That's yep. not the right narrative either. Right. You know, so for girls to have the correct view of boys as well yep. and to respect and honor as well is really important. Yeah. So I just, another comment, just like as you're talking, it just keeps coming back to like, parents, we need to have conversations. Yep. It's like, hey, talk about this, talk mm-hmm. about this, talk about this. And like to your question, that's how you stop the shame cycles. You yep. bring these things from the darkness into the light. Yep. And so we've got to talk about things that maybe are uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but our kids are, they want to talk about it. Yeah. So, And I have this phrase, it, well, I, it reminds me of a phrase that Jesus said, mm-hmm. I couldn't place it in the, in the gospels, but Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, the, the world lives this way, not so with you. Yeah, yep. And so... If we raised our kids with this value Mm -hmm. that we can live differently in this world, we don't have to get sucked up in the current of the culture. Not so with you. This does not mean we need to remove ourselves from the culture, but we can live differently in the culture. And that can feel like a lot of pressure itself, but it comes back to what you're saying, conversations about things that matter most and people yeah. <laughs> matter most. Yeah. There's a choice. <laughs> right. I think people right. don't realize there's a choice. So, so. let's wrap up with uh, some ideas for parents, just for themselves, how they can prepare mm-hmm. themselves for the stress and anxiety of middle school. Mm-hmm. So the first one I have here is, if you are married, uh, nourish your marriage. Because uh, something that Dr. Demore says in here is that kids pick up on our stress. Yes. Right. Yes. Yep. Our kids, uh, stressed out parents will raise stressful kids yep. in that way. So, um, if there is stress in your marriage, then you all need to address the stress in that way. Uh, but on the flip side of that, uh, your your kids are going to look to you as a model mm-hmm. for their relationships. Mm-hmm. 
So dad, if they see the way that you treat mom, yep. mom, if they see the way that they treat dad, then that is going to be mirrored in their relationships, what they accept and allow mm -hmm. or what they discard yep. and abandon. Yep. That was, yeah, that was really impactful for me about from the book was uh, the quote here, much of our girls learned about how to manage stress comes from how we manage it as yep. parents. And so I think for us to examine, how are you personally handling your own stress yep. and what healthy coping strategies do you have when you feel stressed out? Mm -hmm. uh, because your kids are watching. Yep. And then how are you responding to the stress that your girls present to you? Right. Are you freaking out or are you, Hey, let's take a deep breath. Hey, I have some questions I want to ask. And mm -hmm. are you presenting it as a conversation versus, you know, the girls will yep. feel shut down and they're never going to talk about it again. Yep. So. And then from there we can go to another point is to value what's most important. Yep. Uh, Dr. Moore, gets into this again, mm -hmm. uh, um, where we often in school, particularly in middle school. And I mm -hmm. think she says it in the book where middle school is the place for them to fail mm, in yep. school because at the end of the day, yes. whether or not this is controversial, it doesn't matter. It's middle yep. school. It's where high school starts to matter for college. Yep. But obviously you're setting some building blocks yep. in place, but let them fail mm -hmm. along the way through middle school. Mm -hmm. So when you're stressing out about, oh, they have to get straight A's. Do, do they? they? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do they have to get straight A's? Yep. Or do they have to learn to understand who they are? Yes. And start to understand how they were made and what they connect with, what yeah. they understand, things yep. like that. So then when high school comes, they're more confident in themselves, yeah. what they can or can't do, how to navigate the stress. Obviously, they're going to have to take math, English, science, history, all those things. But let middle school be that place where mm -hmm. they start to understand who they are. Mm -hmm. So value what matters most. Yeah, that's good. And that way. Yeah. Character over academics. Exactly. That's Can I say it. that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, another part of uh, dealing with stress in your family is uh, Dr. Demore talks about underschedule your family. Yes. And I, I love this idea. Yep. And <laughs> if I'm honest and transparent, we're in a busy season yep. as a family. Yep. My three boys are all playing three separate sports, and some of them are multiple nights a week. Yeah. Some are on the same night a week. Yeah. And it's stressful. Yeah. And so... As of right now, obviously things can change, but the summer, we're saying no sports over the yeah. summer, which you would go, that seems like counterintuitive because nothing happens in the mm -hmm. summer. But for right now, we just need a break. Mm -hmm. So you have permission to take a break, mm -hmm. you know, and to underschedule your family yeah. so that you can prioritize time with your family. Yeah. Yeah. How do you balance that? Just of like your boys love playing sports and yep. that's important to them and you want them to be a part of a team. Right. So is it just taking the break? Yeah. At those times? Part of it is taking the break and then mm -hmm. how I spend time with them. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It's trying to be outside, mm -hmm. boundaries for screen time and things yeah. like that. So it's like, all right, you had your screen time today, head outside and play until the sun goes down. Mm -hmm. It's that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that they can get that athletic and energe energetic, physical yeah. uh, fill in that way. Um, but I know that is feeling this, the stress and pressure this season it makes you just think about the future and going yeah, like, that's good. underscheduling the family is something that I need to be mindful of yeah. for the sake of our stress yeah. as we approach. And it, I mean, that's well. saying too, like you guys are good at sports. You love it, but it's not the priority of our family. Right. right? right so right. it's good. Yeah. And then the, uh, the last thing I would say, and these are kind of, kind of go hand in hand. One is a visual depiction mm -hmm. of it. And then one is just a, an idea. And that is, um, if you haven't read or watched the movie Wonder, mm, you've got so to good. do this before your kids go back to school. That's so good. So I think we're releasing this uh, podcast somewhere at the beginning of the summer. But sit down and watch the movie with your kids. 
pop Lindsay's favorite midnight snack and <laughs> everybody can have a good time, but then have a conversation. Yes. Because it deals with so many of the middle school dynamics. It's so good. In such a powerful way. Oh, man, it Did is such cry? a great movie. Did, Did you I cry? cry? Not stop. Once, you know. <laughs> Once it once it started, oh. so I don't cry much, I but but that got me. I mean yes. that that book, I I read it and watched it, yeah, and it just is like that should be standard, uh, part of school curriculum. Yeah, you know, no for kidding. Middle school, everyone no needs to watch Wonder, uh, because there's so much good to pull from that. And one of the ideas to pull from that is stay involved and remind your kids that you love them. Yes, because they're gonna be, you know, they're gonna have a lot of things come at them. They're gonna be hit by everything, yeah. but when they go home. They need to know that, hey, all those sort of questions like, who am I? Do I matter? Yeah. I know one place yes. is that mom loves me, yep. that dad loves me. And mm-hmm. that is, I can be confident yeah. in that when I get home. Yeah, it's safe. Yep. So th- the way I want to wrap this up here is just to kind of finish with some of the ideas that uh, we share in family ministry and our mm-hmm. environments, uh, just on our on a regular basis, and I'll wrap it up here, just kind of in a summary statement. Yeah. Um, but when we talk about the faith of a, a middle school student, there are three truths that we want to mm-hmm. emphasize throughout their time with us in middle school, mm-hmm. and that is, I will love God because He will never stop loving me. I will follow Jesus because He knows me better than myself, and I will live out God's story so others can know who Jesus is. Yes, that's good. So this is identity yep. stuff. Yep. Is like what's true of God is true of me, and it affects how I live. And then the truth is, at the end of the day, it's all about their identity. Yep. Identity is really it starts to form and solidify yes. in middle school. I think it happens in college mm-hmm. as well yep. too. But yep. specifically in middle school, answering those questions like who am I, and so we must remind our kids of the message of the gospel. It, your child, your son, your daughter was created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. They were created with a purpose. They are loved and they are worth dying for. Mm-hmm. And the cross is proof. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I want to wrap this up yeah. here is to to finish with that. Would you add anything else to finish our time? Yeah, I think just to you know reiterate that is that middle schoolers need affirmation mm-hmm. and everything is changing and there is just their foundation feels so uneasy. And so for them to know who they are in Christ, and it's good, and they are loved by you. Um, don't assume that they know that, and yep. I would say repeat it over and over again yep. to them um, because they're trying to figure it out. And I say this is something we've said in student ministry is that the difference between middle school and high school, middle schoolers ask, do you like me? Yep. And high schoolers ask, do I like you? Yep. So middle schoolers are just dying for that affirmation, mm-hmm. um, and they're affirmed by um, the love of Jesus Christ. Yep. And so for us to repeat it over and over again to That's them. That's good. Yeah. In a world of performance and yes. approval, the yes. gospel is the easiest thing to forget. Yes. So remind your kids the love of God, the grace of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ every yeah. single day. Amen. Lindsay, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, Parents, man. thanks for listening in. Let me say a prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this time to have this conversation. We love middle schoolers a whole lot, but we know you love them more. Uh, I think you're a huge fan of middle schoolers, and the invita- invitation to follow you is for them and for mm-hmm. their parents. Please give their parents a whole lot of grace this school year, and I pray that they would be equipped uh, equipped with courage and bravery to have the conversations with their kids about the things that matter most. And thank you that at the end of the day, you love them, you died for them, you have a plan for their life. And so I pray that they would find that in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Parent on parents, you got this. 
Thanks for joining us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org.